Welcome to Eat, Drink, and Do Good, the monthly newsletter and now podcast from Studio Atau. I'm Jenny Dorsey, the studio's executive director. Every month, we bring you fresh op-eds from new and emerging writers from across the U.S., covering a variety of social justice topics that will encourage you to think a little more critically about the world around you. Each podcast episode features the writers themselves reading aloud their work, and we hope you'll learn as much from them as we did. Thank you for listening, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please also consider supporting us via Patreon at patreon.com slash studio atau, that's studio A-T-A-O, or via one-time gift on our website at studiotau.org slash donate. I hope you love the op-ed today. Feminist protests are only the beginning. Organizer Zoya Rahman writes about the need for perseverance beyond protests into community and coalition building. There is no denying that protests matter. They are a key marker of anti-oppression struggles and calls for justice. Feminist protests are no different. They are important symbolic demonstrations against anti-authoritarianism, surveillance, gender-based violence, transmisogyny, class injustice and austerity, and so much more. At the same time, feminist protests raise many interesting questions about the overall character of on-the-ground movements and who all has an actual stake in them. Who are they meant for? The protesters who show up to marches and then go home? Or perhaps the key organizers who call the shots and thus must deal with the aftermath of the protests they organize? Are they meant for the most oppressed and economically precarious people in our society, those who continuously bear the brunt of unstable politics that do much of the invisible work to build our movements, but are barely seen, let alone credited, in the public eye? Feminist protests have been the subject of much debate in Pakistan these past few years, primarily because of the Aurat Azadi marches that have been taking place annually in the country's major cities on March 8th, International Working Women's Day, since 2018. Similar to the Aurat marches in Pakistan, U.S. women's marches have drawn millions of protesters to the streets. While the initial women's march was a response to Donald Trump's inauguration, the moment took on new significance in light of the rising Me Too movement. Now that Roe versus Wade is on the brink of being overturned, mass protests are being organized once again in the U.S. While marches in both the U.S. and Pakistan have certainly started important conversations, when we think of protests in relation to political goals, we have to consider the needed labor for sustained change that is not just performative. Protests work not by themselves, but in combination with a broad range of other political actions. The protests we organize have to lead to a continued commitment to camaraderie and knowledge production on ground. In particular, the class character of feminist movements needs to be consistently questioned. This is especially important given that in Pakistan, most urban feminist organizers have a very transactional relationship with the proletariat. They only organize with working class communities right before the march for the sole purpose of inviting them to it 
instead of building solidarity with them year-round. Working-class women, including Khwaja Siras, are often transported from their abadis to protest spaces to provide a representative and diverse audience for March 8th before they are sent back to their homes, where they live under the shadow of economic and patriarchal harm. This lack of access to physical protest spaces is an issue that is often overlooked. Participation and involvement in political projects should not only require constant physical presence. There are far too many of us who are either breadwinners or cater to responsibilities involving unpaid care work to be able to leave for elongated periods of time. Moreover, the assertion of public protests being the only valid form of organizing is deeply ableist. There is so much else we already do in addition to marching annually. By producing knowledge online and off, by fighting disinformation, by writing manifestos, by defying what is expected of us and our gendered bodies, by calling for accountability, care, creativity, and solidarity in the communities and spaces we inhabit, and by taking to the streets. Feminist organizing must also include the time for self-reflection, healing, and learning. Organizing is risky. Protests make some of us hyper-visible and susceptible to danger, something that is rarely publicly discussed in relation to active protests. There are too few of us organizing against the many, many naysayers we have to fight, especially for those of us who live with the fear and trauma of violence on a day-to-day -day basis. It is also costly for the feminist organizers who are left at the behest of a vitriolic, misogynistic backlash and the ensuing burnout that follows these demonstrations every year, be it in the form of the stones that are pelted on us or through false allegations of blasphemy leveled at us. In order to show transnational feminist solidarity, we must globally focus on the demands of the oppressed to be open to new forms of struggle and strategy and welcome invention, imagination, and flexibility into our lives with open arms. A focus on collective solidarities across countries and continents would give feminist organizers like myself hope that despite the myriad challenges we face across the world, a feminist future is still possible because power doesn't just need to be challenged, it needs to be changed. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find all prior issues of Eat, Drink, and Do Good on Studio Tao's website at studiotao.org newsletter. I'm Emily Chen, the head of content at the studio. Every month, we'll be releasing a new newsletter and podcast with social justice analyses from new and emerging writers. Make sure to sign up for our mailing list and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to be the first to know on all new episodes. All of our contributors are paid for their time and work, so if you're able, please consider supporting us as a monthly donor via Patreon or via a one-time gift at studiotao.org donate. Thank you for listening.